Blessings in Jesus, everyone. You're listening to Patrick O'Brien, and I'm the founder and president of Philippians 1-9 Ministries. In this teaching, we're going to be looking closely at the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been following us, we started with the trials of Jesus, the religious and the civil trials that he went through. And then we went to the crucifixion, and we looked at the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross in chronological order and what they meant when he was saying them. Now, in today's teaching, we'll be looking more closely at his burial, what happened after he died on the cross and just before his resurrection. We'll do the resurrection teaching in the next teaching. So this will be a rather short video. But before we begin, I want to encourage you, if you have not yet already gone to our website to get access to our mini course on how to study scripture, go ahead and do that on our website, philippians19.org forward slash study. When you go there, I'll put a link in the description of this teaching. You'll be able to access some of the lessons from our larger course on how to study scripture that is inside of our online Bible college. If you're not familiar, we started an online Bible college to put together courses and lessons that are the same type of courses you might find in various seminaries and Bible colleges around the world, actually. And so what we've done is we've taken a handful of the lessons in our How to Study Scripture course, and we've made them available to you for free. So go ahead and take your hands on that. You never know what you might learn and begin to see God's Word just come alive to you all the more. All right, so in today's teaching, we're going to be jumping back and forth to a few of the different Gospels, just as we do in the other teachings, and just as we do also in our Gospels course inside the Online Bible College, where we go from the very beginning of the Gospels through the end, all four Gospels, in chronological order. It's just something that's uh, very spectacular to do if you have not yet done that, to actually follow the life and ministry of Jesus chronologically through the different Gospels all the way up into his ascension. So this study that we're doing here from the trials until his ascension is actually uh, following the chronology of the life of Jesus from those trials on to the end. And this is part of our college course going through the Gospels in chronological order. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Now, if you remember, Jesus just died on the cross. So Jesus dies on a day that is called the day of preparation. This was a name used in Judaism to describe the sixth day of the week because the Jews needed to prepare everything for the next day's rest, their Sabbath. The name can can also be used to describe a day prior to a festival as well. When evening had already come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, we see that in Mark 15, verse 42, it was the preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin, as Luke tells us in, 20, in Luke 23, 54. And then John 19.31 says, Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. All right, so that's where we are picking up. Mark 15.42, Luke 23.54, John 
31, the day of preparation. Now, Jesus' body would have had to be taken down from the cross and buried before the Sabbath began. John writes in John 19.31, For that Sabbath was a high day. This particular year, when Jesus died, the Sabbath was also the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. According to the Mosaic Law, the first and seventh days of this feast are holy days. You can see that in Leviticus 23, verses 7 through 8. The reason John tells us this was a high Sabbath was because when a holy day fell on the Sabbath, the Jews called it a high Sabbath. This only exacerbated the Jews' desire to get Jesus off the cross since they did not want to leave a dead body on the cross exposed and unburied during such an important Sabbath. And this is also important too because if you remember, John's gospel is the most festive of all the gospels. We always see the festivals being named in John's gospel. Now in John 19, 31, continuing there, he says, John therefore tells us again that the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. When a person was crucified, there was a small footrest under their feet on the cross. This was put there to to give the person something to push up upon to allow themselves to breathe. This was done as long as the person had strength enough in their legs to do so. A crucified person usually died from asphyxiation. Some people would survive for days this way. Keep in mind the old rugged wooden cross would be slowly rubbing the person's back raw. In Jesus' case, having been brutally flogged, he would have felt this immediately and throughout the six hours he hung on the cross. In In an effort to speed up the dying process, the legs of the crucified person would be broken so that they lost their strength to push up upon the footstool just enough to breathe. And so we see this happening in John 19, 32. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and the other who was crucified with him. Then it continues, However, as we saw in our previous study, uh, Jesus himself was already dismissed his spirit. Remember from our our study just before this, he's already died on the cross. In John 19, 33, he will say, But coming to Jesus... When they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. The soldiers were unknowingly fulfilling the Passover motif taught in Exodus 12:46 that states not a bone of the Passover lamb was to be broken. What the soldiers did next to ensure Jesus was indeed dead was they pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. That's in John 19, verse 34. This is prophesied in Zechariah 12.10, when it is said of the Messiah, Jesus, that they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. We also notice that blood and water came out of the side of Jesus when they pierced him. John, having been an eyewitness, John 19.35, would write the theological importance of this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 6-12. through 12. In short, the blood had to come first, so that by his blood we might have eternal life. Water in scripture is a type of the Holy Spirit, and here we see after the blood, the crucifixion, will come the water, the Holy Spirit. Now, we see something similar in Exodus when Moses hits the rock, a picture of Christ being crucified and smitten. 
and the water, when it comes out from the smitten rock, we know the rock is Christ from 1 Corinthians 10. In other words, before the Holy Spirit was to be given and the church born, Jesus had to die on the cross and spill his own blood first before the Holy Spirit, or water, was to be poured out. That's the theological importance of what we see happening there. So let's continue and see what happens next. Mark 15, verse 43. Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he gathered up courage and went before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. We know from the scripture that this Joseph was from a family with a good background. Mark fifteen forty three will show us. He was rich, Matthew 27, 57. A good and righteous man, in Luke 23, verse 50. And he was looking for the coming messianic kingdom and thus part of the believing Jewish remnant. We see that again in Mark 15, 43 and Luke 23, 51. Now, I encourage you here to, if you have your Bible open and you're following along, because we'll be jumping through the different Gospels, that you get something to put in there, like a flashcard or a sticky note or even a pen, so that you can quickly jump back and forth and see these whole things come alive as we as we jump back and forth. Now, let's continue. We learned that he was a member of the council, which would have made him a member of the Sanhedrin. But Luke tells us that Joseph was not there to consent for the death penalty of Jesus, which the Sanhedrin voted on. And we'll see that in Luke 23, 51. Now we'll look at John 19, 38. John tells us that Joseph was a secret believer for fear of the Jews, because he says, After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Next, Pilate would confirm that Jesus was indeed dead, Mark 15, 44. And then he would allow Joseph to take the body, Matthew 27, 58, and Mark 15, 45. So, at this point, we see John nineteen thirty nine. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. Jesus is now removed from the cross, and he's wrapped in a linen cloth or stripes of cloth, and this would have been a common Jewish burial procedure. You can reference Mark fifteen forty six, and John nineteen verses thirty nine through forty. Next we read in John 19, 41 through 42. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Jesus would now be buried in a never-before-used tomb located in a privately owned garden. Matthew says, and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. It's Matthew 27, verse 60. Now having a stone to roll in front of the opening meant this was indeed a rich man's tomb. This fulfills Isaiah 53, 9. Jesus would be killed like the wicked, but buried like a rich man in a rich man's tomb. Now Luke who always wrote in chronological order, says it was the preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin in Luke 23, verse 54. 
and that the evening time was about to set in as the day drew to an end. Okay. Notice how in this whole process, none of the closest disciples helped in the burial process. None of Jesus's 11 loyal disciples were there to help. Instead, we see two religious leaders who were secret believers taking it upon themselves to bury Jesus. Remember, it was a garden where Adam brought brought into the world physical and spiritual death by sin. Now we have the last Adam, Jesus Christ, in the garden, who would soon offer new life and salvation to mankind. Paul tells us that the burial of Jesus is an important part of the gospel message in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1-4. through His burial marks the proof of his death and will provide the transition to his resurrection soon to happen. Now, we also know that in Matthew 27, verse 61, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joses, were looking on to see where he was laid. That's in Mark 15, 47. And then Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the grove. So Mark 15, 47, Matthew 27, 61. That's where we are right now. Now, these women knew the location of the grave site. They were going to come after. They were going to come again after the Sabbath to continue the Jewish burial procedure that was customary in those days. Luke 23, verses 55 through 56 says, Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. Matthew tells us about the sealing of the tomb. On the Sabbath day, the day after Jesus dies on the cross, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days, I am to rise again. It's Matthew 27, 60, uh, 62. And then he says, Now notice they called Jesus here a deceiver. This is a tip. This is typical of the rabbis to this day. They call Jesus uh, sometimes Yeshu uh, instead of Yeshua as a derogatory term for Jesus. Uh, for Jesus, meaning may his name be blotted out, is what they're saying. And uh, they also refer to Jesus as the Hanged One. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of hate towards their Messiah Jesus. Now, the religious leaders remembered hearing. Jesus say that he would be resurrected on the third day, so they wanted to try and make sure that didn't happen. I don't see what's the big deal, right? But I digress. So the religious leaders go to Pilate and they say, in Matthew 27, 64, Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day, otherwise his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go, make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. Matthew 27, 65 through 66. Now they sealed the tomb, and an official Roman insignia would be placed over the stone so that if it was moved, it would be known to anyone caught rolling away the stone would have been executed. Basically, ropes were threaded through hook, through different hooks, 
and this would form a giant X across the stone to seal it in place. But we know that that is one seal in Scripture that will not remain, just as the seven seals in the book of Revelation. All right, so that's going to actually bring us to an end of this study, but let's let's summarize a few things. Let's look at this. So the burial of Jesus, he was buried according to the scriptures. Now, remember, Jesus dies on a day that's called a day of preparation. Jesus' body would have had to be taken down from the cross and buried before the Sabbath began. John, therefore, tells us that the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Remember, Jesus himself already dismissed his spirit. But coming to Jesus, remember, when they saw he was already dead, they didn't break his legs, and this fulfilled the Passover motif taught to us in Exodus twelve forty-six. That states that a bone of the Passover lamb was not to be broken. And then remember, next we saw Joseph of Arimathea, petitions for the body of Jesus. And Jesus is now removed from the cross and wrapped in linen or strips of cloth, and this would have been a common Jewish burial procedure. Jesus would now be buried in a never-before-used tomb located in a privately owned garden. Matthew tells us about the sealing of the tomb there from Matthew 27, 62-66. They sealed the tomb with the official Roman insignia, and this would be placed over the stone so that if it was moved, it would be known to anyone and it would be known, and to anyone caught rolling away the stone, then they would be executed. So, as I said, there's ropes that are threaded through hooks that would form a giant X across the stone to seal it in place. Now, also remember that it was in the garden where Adam brought into the world physical and spiritual death by sin. And now we have the last Adam, Jesus Christ, in the garden who would soon offer new life and salvation to mankind and what a beautiful what a beautiful testimony and and witness to this in the scripture itself all right now i encourage you if you have not yet gone to our website philippians19.org forward slash study go grab that mini course on how to study scripture and check out some of the neat things people are commenting all the time about how they never really saw that before or they didn't really think of that before and it's blessing and encouraging so many people and i want you to be blessed and encouraged by it as well now one last thing i want you to do me a favor i want you to take this teaching as well as the others that go along with it, and share it with another brother and sister. Share it with people in your Facebook group. Share it with your loved ones. Share it with your uh, members of your church. Just get this message out there of studying the, the life of Jesus during this time and what was happening in chronological order because it's such a beautiful thing to actually see happening in chronological order. All right, so in the next teaching, we will begin to look at the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. All right, until next time, continue to study God's word diligently, stay prayerful, and press on in Jesus, and we'll talk soon.